Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. On today's episode, we are fortunate to have Dr. Harold McRae, an elementary school principal in Washington, D.C., on the show to dive deep into his leadership principles, his inspirations, his passions, and just share you know, why he loves being a principal and how he takes care of his staff on a daily basis. You guys are going to love this episode. As always, the Humans of Education podcast is sponsored by TeacherFit, the only staff wellness program in education, currently partnered with 240 schools around the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Check out the links in the show notes to connect with Dr. McRae, as well as check out the TeacherFit and StudentFit programs. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. We are super fortunate this week to have a leader in public schools from Washington, D.C., Dr. Harold McRae, sir. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. I know it is a tough time, a lot of confusion and a lot of things going on, both in the education world and the outside world, and you are kind of at the epicenter of it. Um, kind of tell us, how are things going with you as a human? Like, What's going on in your world? What are your priorities today from the office as we see we're recording? Yeah, um, there's a lot going on. Um, just trying to prioritize what's going to happen with our reopening um, in our schools in uh, Washington, D.C. There's a lot of back and forth, whether they're going to be open, whether they're not going to be open. Um, there's a lot of back and forth between the unions and the school district. And so you just you overall want to make the best decision. We um, understand that it's completely not safe um, at this particular time. We do get that. But we also know um, that a lot of our kids, especially our younger ones, are suffering. And so just trying to figure out what's going to be a happy medium in order to support those students while still maintaining maintaining being safe in this um, pandemic. So that's a lot going on. And just trying to balance that with your own personal life. Um, right. Because it is real. Because I also have two young children at home as well that need my attention just as much as this place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love hearing that balance, right? Because, you know, we a lot of times we get sucked into only hearing one side of the story and forgetting possibly about those children that are in need and that need to be in school, whether it's for just a positive influence or the safety and security or a warm meal, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, you sharing that and keeping that at the forefront of everyone's understanding, I think is super important. So I appreciate that. But I want to dive into that personal life. Like you mentioned, you're a father of two, a husband. Tell me about the family, what that looks like for you. Um, so yeah, I just had a daughter, was it in January? Yep. So she should be <laughs> months, nine months, uh, uh, Thursday should be nine months Thursday. Um, I mean, she, she's the boss. She, she's taking over everything and everyone. Um, then I have a two-year-old daughter who's, um, also at home, but she, they, they both are in daycare. Um, cause mom is now what she, mom went back to work. She stayed home with the first one for about a year and a half. And then just for a brief moment of time with the second one, but she, you know, decided it was time for her to go back to work. And so finding that was a whole struggle, you know, finding daycares that were going to be COVID safe and didn't have a lot of children and, you know, made sure they had everything in place. But, um, this, this is a reality that 
some of us do actually have to go back to work. And so we do have to, you know, put our kids in places where we, you know, have to put trust in them. And so I, I understand it from a parent aspect as well. But um, everybody's doing good at home, um, just getting ready for the holidays. You know, Halloween is this weekend and then Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so it, all of that stuff is important. So like you said, the word balance has been a, a, a extreme focus of mine throughout this time, especially during this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a it's, if it's not, it should be a focus for everyone. And mm-hmm. you having that perspective, and this is something I really want to talk to you about because it, it's a recurring theme and everything that I've seen from you is that balance and your leadership. So I want to talk, how does that, your experience as a parent through everything that's going on and you know, finding that balance as a parent, how does that tie into your leadership style with your staff? Because I, you know, looking through your social media, I think just from what I've seen, your mm-hmm. staff is a huge fan of you. And I think that is hard as a leader. I know myself, I was a military leader and now as a business leader, you know, it's often hard to keep your staff in love with mm-hmm. you, right? Because you're making the hard decisions. Sometimes, you know, you have to make the decisions that maybe they don't want, but how do you find that balance? What, you know, as being a parent, as being a school leader, you know, what does that look for you? And what are the tie-ins from parenting to staff leadership? Um, so I think the great advantage that I have about being a parent and being a leader is that I understand and I get it. You know, I tried to work at home in the beginning of the pandemic with two small children at home. It was not the easiest thing. The screen had to go off. I had to go take because my children don't care that you're in the middle of a meeting. If they <laughs> right. want the attention or they have a need, it needs to be taken care of. And so being understanding of that. Um, I think one of the things I was always taught was in my leadership as, you know, going from a, you know, teacher leader and assistant principal central office to a principal is that you have to lead from the heart. And I've learned um, to just be real with folks. I think one of the things that my staff appreciates from me is the fact that I'm authentic in my practice. I told them when they first hired me, well, selected me for hire, that I wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. I was going to give it to you, you know, not in a disrespectful way, but in a way that was realistic so that you understand where we are. Um, and, and that we're going to work through this together. It's not just a you or I, it's a we thing. And so if they struggle, I struggle. If I'm in the trenches with them. They understand that, okay, well, he has a personal commitment to this. He's doing the same things that we're doing. You know, he, he's trying to strive and do the best for us. And so I think that's how I get a lot of buy-in from my staff. Um, I, there's this thing that we operate off the three C's, which is clear communication, um, collaboration, and um, consistency. And so when using those three things, um, I think it's helped moved our school and it, and it created an energy where there's this trust um, amongst the staff and, and myself. I think that has helped tremendously just being authentic in my practice and just saying, hey, we didn't get it right today. You know, we didn't get a chance to knock it out the park uh, and there's always tomorrow. And so finding that balance, even as a parent, when I go home after five o'clock, I'm not answering the phone. I'm not answering any emails because anything that you're calling me between now, I can't do nothing about it until tomorrow anyway. Um, Depending on the nature of it, um, I always ask them to text first um, because that way I can read it and then decide whether or not it's urgent enough for me to respond. And most of the time, the teachers will say they won't bother you unless it's an emergency call out. But I think that's the important part. Um, and it, my teacher taught me that one of my teachers told me that she's like, you got to set boundaries. Um, she said, you know, because if not, we'll call you all night. So <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like, you know, I know that that time once I get home is for my family. And it's usually between five and 10 o'clock that I ask not to be bothered. And usually after 10 o'clock, most people go to sleep. So they're not going to bother you anyway. (laughs) But um, that's important. 
setting those boundaries were important for me too. Yeah, I love that. Give me the three C's one more time because I think those are beautiful and a lot of leaders can take those away and use them in their practices. So you had communication, collaboration. And consistency. Consistency. I love it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're consistent in your practice, people, will um, they, they begin to trust you. If you're always changing, flip-flopping, going back and forth, and it, it, it just doesn't work. So um, I've learned, you know, and I've only been in education, what, this year 16 maybe? I, I saw 16 years in my research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's year 16. And it's just like those things right there, when you clearly communicate what it is your expectations are and what you expect from folks, they're going to either rise to meet it or they're either going to try to go the other route, which doesn't work in their favor. So usually they rise to meet the expectation. If Absolutely. you're consistent in your practice and your approach, they know what to expect. And it's just kind of like, yeah, um, he, he, he loves us. He does, you know, he's going to go above and beyond, but he also has a certain standard that he's going to hold us accountable. And so they understand that. And the collaboration part is that Nobody does this work alone. Like I always hear principals say that it's lonely being a principal is lonely at the top. It's only lonely if you allow it to be. Um, I was fortunate enough to build relationships with my colleagues where I can pick up the phone and ask them what's going on. We can go out and over happy hour and discuss the craziness, but you're going to need somebody else to lean on in order to get this work done. So I've never looked at it as being a lonely position because I'm good at building a relationship with folks so that we can kind of connect to get through this thing together. So that's where the collaboration piece comes in. Yeah, I think that's great. And what I hear is both humility and Mm -hmm. like compassion. So you're, you're humble enough to say like, Hey, I need help too. And like, I want you guys to be a part of this decision-making process or whatever we're dealing with as a team. But then you're also compassionate and understanding that they have their own things going on and they should have their own boundaries. And like, there's just two fundamental leadership principles that I love to see um, in a school leader and going a little bit deeper in leadership. I saw that you were reading good to great. I think it was maybe your last Instagram post. How deep have you gotten into the book with Jim Collins? Uh, So I'm not finished that one. Um, The, I started with great by choice. So, so the great by choice was um, in my previous school district, it was a a mantra, so to speak, that they have adopted, but we all were responsible for reading that book and kind of use different examples of how to lead our school from there. And then um, one of uh, another colleague of mine said, well, we need to follow up with good to great. And so we started that one. So we're still in the middle of it, but uh, I take Jim Collins theories because although we're dealing with education, you can apply some of those same principles into a school. Like if I'm going to be a 10 X or, you know, if I'm going to look at, you know, um, how am I looking at my organization and what is it, the brand and the consistency when he mentioned Southwest and then kind of looked at all the other airlines and how they either are no longer existing. So what did it keep? And I think that, that, that consistency there and what you do and you think about customer service, like you kind of take elements from the business world and you add it into the aspect of the education. So I'll use the customer service one for an example. So like when you come into Stanton Elementary School, everybody should be treated the same, no matter who they are. You understand? Because that continues to help build your brand and community. Oh, I like that school. They really care about the parents. They really are communicating. They're letting us know. They're providing us with resources because a lot of times what I've learned in education is that sometimes parents don't get involved because they just don't know. Right. And so when you add that aspect into your leadership, well, it's going to be important that you clearly communicate what it is that's happening, but you also provide the resources because a lot of times they don't know what to do. And so as we're showing them, that's how you get the buy-in and that's how they're talking about your school in the community. It's like, yeah, that's a great school. It has good leaders and it has good people over there. Yeah. 
I love the idea of the branding of the school and the involvement of the community. Like that's, I I don't know if I've ever heard that from a school leader thinking with regards to their school and like, Hey, when someone comes here, they know what to expect. And that is you're treated equally. You're involved. Those Mm -hmm. types of things matter. Another principle from the book is getting the right people on the bus. And this is again, like a tribute to your leadership. So tell me, you know, how you've gotten the right people on the bus. I think how many years have you been a principal? So this is year five. Year five as a principal. And how do you go about getting the right people on the bus? I think in a lot of businesses and possibly schools, leaders come in and they're like, this is who I have to work with. And they're just going to go about it the way they do. Right. So tell me your philosophy on that tying in with, you know, the Jim Collins approach. Um, so it's, it's funny. So I'm going to mix a little bit of Jim Collins and a little bit of Ron Clark in there as well. So okay. Ron Clark who wrote a book called move your bus yep. and on the bus, he pretty much detailed. You have your runners, you have your joggers, you have the people who are just sitting there, um, your walkers, I'm sorry. And then you just have the dead weight that's sitting there. And of course, you know, uh, the principal will become the driver. But thinking about taking both of those approaches about having the right people on the bus, it goes back to, for me, it's important about the connection with folks and understanding where they are within the profession and your why. Understanding your why, um, who was that? I can't, Sam. Cynic or one of those guys. Simon Cynic. Simon. I call him yep. Sam. My bad. But, <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, it's so many, but we, we study so many different people in order to kind of get the philosophy of some of the work that we do. But for me, important the importance of having the right people on the bus is a top priority. And so uh, uh, it's not just through the evaluation purposes. You do use evaluation methods, but are you checking in on your teachers or on your staff? Are you getting consistent feedback? Are you seeing how they're gelling with people? Because you just can't put people on to a group together and think that they're going to be able to work. And so it's it's always like a constant thing in the beginning of my mind that I'm always thinking about, okay, is this person a good fit for our school? Is this person a good fit for where we say we want our, our vision for our for our school and for our kids? And if not, then as the leader, I have to make that decision and, and you have to get off the bus. And so, and sometimes people make the decision for themselves because the expectations either are too high um, they feel as though, you know, they don't run the show anymore. And it, it's crazy because I used to laugh about this. Um, ever since I left the classroom, I've never been anywhere past two years. I feel like I used to call myself the cleanup man. I would go into the school, school gets cleaned up, and then I'm off to the next venture. And so I'm in my second year at this particular school. And I do want to stay past two years, though. But when I first got here, um, there had to be a lot of changes that needed to be made. And so it was hard. It was a hard decision. And I didn't do the decision by myself. The lucky thing um, about working in D.C. is that they have committees that kind of um, advise the principal. They don't tell the principal what to do, but they do provide advice on how they think things should be implemented within the school. And the funny thing was we were all thinking the same thing. It's just that prior to me getting here, nobody ever really had the the courage in order to make the decision. So I made the decision to get 16 people off the bus. Um, wasn't the easiest decision. Um, some of them, it was time for them. They outgrew the place. It just wasn't good for the, for the community anymore. Or um, I saw something in them, like, for instance, you know, one of them went on to become an assistant principal. Um, I saw the leadership in him as soon as I walked through the door. And that was the first question I asked him within the first two months here. 
you know, was that something he was interested in? And then, you know, some people just need other areas to go and grow because this is all they've seen. And so when you see that they have the potential to be greater than what they are, you as a leader have to help make that decision and say, hey, you know, I think you're a great person. I think you're a great leader. You're just not a great fit for where we're trying to take the school at this particular moment. And then some people just had to get off the bus, just had to. <laughs> some people had no option. They were, they were, they right. were getting off the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's like you said, it's a hard decision to make, right? You come in as the new guy. Yes, it's not a sole decision on your part, but you are ultimately responsible for those individuals and the success and failure of your organization, which is your school. And having to make those decisions are so difficult. So tell me what from your life whether it's childhood, parents, experiences, college, you know, your early years in education, what events, if you can pinpoint a couple or one, have given you the strength and compassion and confidence to become the leader that you are today that is okay with coming in and being that cleanup man, but then also having your staff love you? What experiences through life have kind of gotten you to this point? Um. I think the greatest experience would have to be my training that I got um, in order to become a principal. And so, for instance, I'll start with my first assistant, assist, excuse me, my assistant principal position. With that role, um, my principal, he was very direct. Like he was, he had the heart of gold, but you know, he said things sometimes that was just like, oh, I couldn't dare <laughs> say the things that you were saying. But one thing he told me, he used to call me HMAT. He used to say HMAT. He said HMAT. This is what I'm going to tell you. One line, he said, you either change the people or you change the people. He says, that's the only way you're going to move a school or get it to where it needs to be. Um, and I said, change the people or change the people. I said, got it. So then my next role, I was a resident principal of a high school. Never had any indication of how to, you know, operate a high school. I was all elementary. So this was a whole new world to me. Um, I actually went over there and I did pretty well. I didn't think I was going to do as well as I did. And I actually wanted to stay, but uh, things were beyond my control. But um, the lessons that I learned over there was that people needed a leader who was going to not be afraid to make the decisions in order to move the school where it needs to be. And so once I started making one decision and I was like, oh, that worked out great. Let me try it again. And so as you start going there, it starts to build your confidence like, hey, you can really do this because I was fairly young. I think I might have been 29, maybe 30. Can't remember. Somewhere in around that age. And, and it was just kind of like, OK, I'm one of the youngest people in the building who's actually running the building with a, uh, a, a group of and it's like 160 teachers. And so right. majority of them are have been in education while I was in diapers. And so it was just kind of <laughs> like, you know, how do I stand in front of these people? But I think they started to recognize that it was more than just, you know, the instructional leadership. It was also the heart that came into it. It was also standing up to some of the challenging parents and also advocating. I was a big advocate, not just was, but still am, but an advocate for my community and my school. I think once you get the parents on your side, you get the students and the teachers on your side. It's just that you, 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 you're just destined to win. I, I, I don't know. No other way. I think, you know, I spent a lot of time, um, going to extracurricular activities, you know, the basketball games, the swim meets, the wrestling things, because kids want to see that you care. Once the kids see it, the parents see it. So when you start making withdrawals, because you didn't did all this depositing into folks, when it's time to make those withdrawals, it's, it's a little easier to uh, happen. 
So yeah, I like I like that reference. And you know, when you when you're trying to make withdrawals and the account is empty, that's when there's yeah. a problem, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then that may, that may be what we've seen a lot as well. Um, so to get a little bit deeper into that, can you mm-hmm. share an experience that maybe you made the wrong decision, or in hindsight, you're like, ah, oh, probably would do it different now, and then what you learn from that process? Oh, <laughs> I mean, the wrong decision. Um, I know there's not many. <laughs> this is being recorded. So, but no, um, um, uh, I don't know if I would call it the wrong decision. But so I made the decision to leave a school district where I was at for 14 years to come over to a new school district. Um, and in and, and, and hindsight, I didn't think about all of the relationships and connections that I've built in my previous district, Mm -hmm. not saying that they all don't exist. It's just not the same. When you've been somewhere and you've worked extremely hard and that district has invested so much into you um, to make you the leader that you are, you then have to make the decision to go elsewhere. It's something that I wrestled with, with a long time. Um, Even at the beginning of, you know, this school year, like, (sighs) like take that breath, like, did I make the right decision? Is this where I really wanted to go? Um, uh, and is this really going to be beneficial to, you know, my progress? But, you know, as a leader, sometimes you have to make um, decisions that's not only going to be beneficial for you, but those that you impact. And I'm thinking about back to that balance, my family. Yep. And so I will say that, you know, while it is a different district and they have different operating procedures, um, it was just a different choice that sometimes I kind of struggle with because maybe, you know, you get to miss the previous one. But, um, yeah, that that's one that I wrestle with a lot. Now, when it comes in terms of like making a decision for a school, um, I do think that, you know, substituting out one position for another. So, for instance, if you substitute out an instructional coach to get a, a different instructional leader that may not be an instructional coach, has it been beneficial for the school? Um, when you think it might've been a good job, but those that you serve may not think that that's the same thing. And so getting that feedback from your teachers is also critical because, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll hear some of my colleagues, oh, they can't tell me anything. I'm the principal, you know, I'm in the right. seat. Well, no, actually they do need to tell you because they're the <laughs> ones who have to implement the things that you're telling them to do. And if it's not working out for them, then you're not going to have a great time doing it. So um, I, I do think sometimes we make decisions based on some of our personal experiences without always listening fully to the people who are also going to have to be impacted by it. And I do think that in that scenario, I have thought about it and I am going to make some changes around that, um, you know, moving forward and how I lead in that. Cause I think right, that's right. important. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and having the um, ability to kind of step back and see that is the most powerful tool, right? And mm-hmm. seeing like, yeah, maybe I should listen a little bit more to everyone that's involved yeah. um, to see to see the direction we're heading. That's great. Um, I want to get to some of the questions that we do on each episode that kind of conclude the episode, but dive dive into to your thoughts in okay. education based. So the first one is, what one class do you think that isn't taught in education? that every student should experience? And this could be at any level of education. What's one class every student should get that they're currently not getting? Ooh. Uh, yeah, there's several, but um, <laughs> you only I'll, get start. One. I'll start with um, financial literacy. And I say this because um, 
a lot of times and uh, having the ability to work in elementary school and to, to work into a high school, um, I, I now see that is definitely needed because working in the high school has taught me that sometimes I don't think we're truly preparing our kids for the reality of what they're about to face. Whereas, you know, you, you talk about all of the um, theorists and you talk about all of the different theories that you use in math and in science and all of these, which are great. And don't get me wrong, you'll, you'll see some of them, not all, but you'll see some of them. Right. Um, I haven't used the quadratic formula since I left school. Um, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. <laughs> so, you know, cosine and tangent and all that stuff I learned in trigonometry has not come up formally in my life, but I have, you know, paid bills. I had to get a mortgage. I had to, you know, think about the percents and all these different things. And, you know, these are the things that I think we really need to be teaching our kids, like these life skills, because everybody's not going to college. And even those who are going to college still need to know how to navigate while you're in college and what happens when you immediately get out. So I think that financial literacy piece should be embedded in every curriculum moving forward. So students understand what a credit score is and what it means and, you know, what it means for an interest rate on a particular car that you're about to finance as opposed to, you know, buying it. And so all of these different things that we've learned as adults that we didn't get that we should have gotten in high school, right? Um, I think is important. So financial literacy is definitely a big one. Yep. Love that answer. I think it's going to be a popular one as we continue to record episodes. <laughs> Question number two, if you were to give a TED talk, what would the title be? I was to give a TED talk, the title would be, um, it would be do it from the heart or don't do it at all. And what does that mean to you? And and for me, it means once you understand your significant purpose and reason for why you are in education, that should be the driving force as to why you continue to wake up every day and, and get in front of kids and continue to impact them and make a difference. Because if you're not doing it from the heart, then you shouldn't be in front of anybody's child. And I I take that very seriously. um, And I tell that to my staff all the time. We have somebody's special child. And if they're not special to you, then you shouldn't be here. Um, you're, You're actually in the way and you're not going to truly make an impact on kids. And so if you're not doing it out of love, if you're not doing it for all of the right reasons, then you're going to be frustrated. You're going to want to give up. And don't get me wrong, we're going to have some bad days. Every day is not going to be great. But if you are reminded of your purpose, which lives inside of your heart, then you'll be able to get the work done for our scholars. Very good. And with that purpose, final question, when your work is done in education, mm-hmm. what will the world of education look like? So you achieve all your goals you want to achieve in education. What does the world of education look like after Dr. McCray is done? Um, hopefully a place where people feel loved and accepted and their um, challenge to be greater than, you know, what they came in initially, um, where kids are able to thrive off of their thoughts and and, and become, you know, um, I don't want to call them little humans, but (laughs) little, (laughs) little adults where they have the ability to advocate for their education. And so I I really always, one of the things um, I've implemented at my school with these uh, SEL, um, you know, the social and emotional learning now is being a big thing within schools. I've learned that I've really learned who my students truly are. And 
once they are able to connect. So when I'm leaving education, I want to see students who are able to connect with anyone, students who are able to just, you know, just thrive and go on because somebody inspired them to be great. Um, and that's what we do. I mean, that that's the work. Like we can teach you how to read and we can teach you how to write. And I, and I want you to get those things, but I also want to teach you to be yourself in all of this. And I can walk away knowing that, you know, Maybe the kid didn't get 100, but he got an 85 and he gave his best. But he also didn't lose who he was in the process in doing that. And that is what helps me sleep at night. And so that's what I think I'll walk away from. That's great. I mean, I see the passion and just confidence and everything in your leadership style and the way you talk and your enthusiasm for impact. I just love seeing that, man. I really appreciate your time. Who do you think in your world or your experience should we bring on the podcast next to share their message. Do you have anyone you would recommend? Um, I'm sure Jonathan has already been on here. Uh, Alzheimer. Yes. Yes. He, he's been on the teacher fit podcast, not on the humans of ed. We may have to get him on and go deep into his, uh, yeah. his life. <laughs> he, he's one. Cause you know how I've always said, I was like, wow, he would make a great principal. Like, you know, I would, yeah. I would love to work in a school that he's leading. Um, just by his, his charisma, his, his, his passion for students and, you know, just for teachers in general. Um, so he's yeah. definitely one that, um, I admire and I look up to, um, Mm. have you met him in person he's not too far from you he's in virginia no we're supposed to get up and it's, i know it's crazy COVID changed everything oh yeah um, sure. <laughs> yeah have you uh talked to michael bonner i have not i, I follow yeah, michael but i haven't talked one. to him yet yeah now he i've met him i've talked to him you know we text back and forth um he's another one who I was just inspired by, I think I saw him present at a title one conference out in, I don't know, somewhere it was cold, maybe Missouri, but, um, <laughs> but we, um, we connected after that really cool guy, very down earth, very, another one. I'm like, yeah, you know, I always like to push guys into leadership, but it's yeah, just yeah, for sure. like, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I'm very passionate about. Um, Oh, I, I guess I can do a shameless plug here. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Give us, give us all the plugs. So one of the things I started a while ago was the Men of Education. It's a page on Instagram and it's on Twitter. And what we try to do is highlight males in education. It doesn't matter which male it is. It doesn't matter your position. If you're a male in education, you know, I think a lot of times we don't highlight our men enough and we don't get them to stay within the uh education field. And so um, I know that every chance that I get that I come across a great candidate, male candidate, um, I try to hire them because it truly makes a difference when you have a male in an elementary school, not, you know, not being sexist, but there, there's just truly a difference. Um, right. And last year when I got into DC, I had the opportunity to hire several of them and it's just made a huge difference as to how the school operates. Um, the, the community responds different. The children respond different. The, the, the women in the building are appreciative of having <laughs> more males. So it's just kind of like, you know, it's a balance. Um, right. It helps in, you know, I want kids to see, and I work in an area, unfortunately, where a lot of our kids don't get to see a positive male role figure. And so having, you know, that person within your school, you, you begin to feel safe and you feel connected and you feel like, you know, you're loved again. So it's, it, it's important, but yeah. So 
Men of Education um, is, is something that we started to just try to highlight men across. And it's not just in America because we've had some people from Australia, United Kingdom and stuff who have followed the page. It's still really early in the process. Yep, um, and of course, because, you know, our, our worlds are spinning right now and just trying to, you know, figure out how we're going to navigate through all of this. But um, it's definitely something that we continue to push and lift up throughout all of this. And so, yep. Put that awesome. Out. We will definitely link to that in Twitter. We'll also have all the social media uh, handles uh, for Harold and make sure you follow him. Give him a shout out. Let him know your biggest takeaway from today's show. Man, I really appreciate your time. I love your passion and just drive to be an impact on students. It's, it's, it's beautiful to see. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Have a great day.